Hi everyone, welcome to Lift Your Spirits, the podcast. I'm Nick. And I'm Jordan. Let's, let's get into it. What episode is this, 14? This is, um, we're just going to start making up numbers, so we're on 51 right now. Awesome. I'm going to label this one 51 when, we, when I finally <laughs> upload it. Um, uh, so this week is, oh go ahead, you go ahead. Yeah, so, so this week we're going to do the review of Dune, we've both seen it, uh, get into it have you seen the the old nope. movie no not at okay. all okay so just to start off you saw at the beginning it said part one right as soon as i saw that i was like this about to have a, a dog shit ending i was <laughs> i was gonna be mad and of course it didn't have a bad ending but i was still mad so going into this movie molly came with me and I was like, okay, so it's part one. And I was trying to guess where they were going to stop it at. Uh-huh. And I, no shit, guessed exactly where they were going to stop at. Like, I was 100% right. Dude, all I'm going to say is, I was, like, so invested in the movie that when they, when they cut it off, I was mad. I was like, you just going to put it off right there? Like, Okay, so that was my first question, is that I was, I was worried that people wouldn't like this movie without reading the book. And so, like, I've told Molly about it enough, and also she hates sci-fi, so it's pointless. But did you like it? Oh, I loved it. I was... It's a, what, it's a three-hour movie-ish? It's close. Didn't even feel like it. Like, I, yeah. I literally was like, dang, man. So, it was like, I looked at my clock, my watch one time, and I was about 30 minutes in. And I was like, damn, we got, I got a lot of time. So then I started wondering, you know, was getting into the movie, and I was like, there's probably still another hour left, and the movie ended. I was like, "Oh my gosh!" I was like, yeah. "I was." I well, enjoyed it. it, but but first, I gotta say this. I gotta say this. So last week or last podcast, I talked about the audience that I had. Okay. Oh, I have I something gotta, for this too. Gotta mention. I gotta mention this. This is nothing positive. Same. <laughs> so Ashley, do you, yep, do you still have Snapchat? Uh, I actually just re-downloaded it because I have one friend that I can only talk to on Snapchat. Well, I sent you a snap, and I was just saying how I had the top row to myself. It turns out that I didn't have the top row to myself, but I had the top row to myself when I when I was in there, and and then a family came to me like on the right. They sat like four seats down, and then there's a dude that sat about six seats down to my left. That dude was the most annoying person in the entire world. First off, what you're on your phone. Okay, you're fine. You can handle whatever you need. Why is your bright brightness to like max out? Annoyed the fuck out of me. Next, this man answered a, a medical phone call and just sat there and was talking on the phone no during shit. the movie. But it was it was during it was during the last like probably 30 minutes of it. But like I, I saw him answer the phone, but he wasn't talking. And then at one point, it got really quiet in the theater. And, and then you heard him. You could hear him talking. I'm just like, oh, my gosh, this man's so annoying. So and he was I, like, he was at the end of your row? Yes. That's at least a benefit to it. Like, oh, man. I think, but I could hear the lady on the phone. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, man. But other than that, uh, act, actually ridiculous. Cool. Okay, so. I went and saw it the first showing Thursday at six because once again, I had the busiest week and there was no possible way of getting to see it any other time. So 
it was it was a packed theater, right? Right. And we're in the top row, and we're at the the last two seats on the end of the row. But that top row, the half of the row is missing because it has an elevator entrance. You know? Oh, right. Yeah. So I'm the I'm the end two seats on the top row, but it's still pretty much in the middle. Like I'm like two seats away from the middle. Okay. That so wasn't bad, but the guy next to me, because I sat there so that Molly could have the end seat was sleeping through all the parts that weren't action, like actually snoring. <laughs> and then when he would wake up and watch the action bits, and then when they would end, he would be on his phone just scrolling until he went back to sleep. Oh and like, he, it wasn't really bothering me because his brightness was all the way down and he wasn't that loud or anything. But like, why, why did you come to this? Like, just stay home and sleep. It's also, you can watch it on on TV if all you care is the action parts like what are you doing like literally he comes on opening night and then goes to sleep like what I was I was so frustrated like just personally like it irked me but like not as bad as like someone having a phone call holy shit I like like the fact that he didn't get up and just and leave to, to just I, I was just dumbfounded I was just like why, why are you just sitting here talking on the phone you could literally get up and go in the hallway yeah, people are insane okay so it seems like we both had relatively annoying people in our theaters, but yes. overall didn't affect it. Yeah. Um, I got gonna... a complaint. Okay. But it's about it's about um it's about Paul. Okay. Well, I'm just gonna say overall. So you said you liked it overall so far, just for yes. the beginning. Yeah. I didn't like it as much as I thought I was gonna like it. That's because you you have book bias. It's okay. No, but they're pretty close to everything, but. Yeah, it's because of the book bias, but it's not... They did the best they could possibly do. I'm going to give them a lot of credit for it, but there's just... I, I just think there's some aspect of this book that you can't translate. Have you seen the old movie? Yeah. The old you, movie did it did it all in one movie. They didn't split oh it. God. And it's, it's like... There's zero time with anything. It's just like, ha- thing happens, thing happens, thing happens, thing happens, and Like, there's no scenery there's no breathing but you can't it needs to be this could be three movies honestly oh uh, i was just about to ask you like what do you at the pace that is going right now how many parts do you think it's going to be i think it's only going to be two but they cut a lot of stuff out of i because I, I would say in the book where they ended it is the halfway point between the book uh but they cut out a shit ton of stuff in the beginning too because they just like I said, you could, if you did it all the way, it would be better as like a, you know, Game of Thrones length series. It would have been a better thing, but I don't think you would have got the quality and the scale yeah. that it has in this. So I, I think this is the best that you could probably, that we probably are going to get out of this universe. But uh, yeah, it's just a huge, this first book is like, the first book is like twice as long as all the other books in the series. So what's the next book called? Well, the book after this? Yeah. It goes Dune and then is it Heretics of Dune maybe? Or no, it's Dune Messiah is the next one. Okay, so in in spoilers, spoilers. Yeah, mad spoilers for not only the movie but probably the the book. other books too. Okay, so quick question about about the next book or yeah. Which the next book won't have anything to do with the next movie. 
Oh, okay, okay. That, that was my question. I was going to say when he when he saw the future and he saw himself, you know, on that ship or whatever. It was that like playing into like next book or just the same book? I just okay. okay. So I gotta exp- that when he was when he was seeing that is yeah. um it w- was their attempt to explain his thoughts and feelings in the thing. So Paul has prescience, has limited prescience right now, right? Which means he has access to see the future, but well, he doesn't. He doesn't. The future isn't fixed, right? It's not yeah, like this is yeah, bound to happen. Yeah. So, so what he is seeing when he sees those flashes of like burning bodies and the ships with his flag and like the, the person with the bloody hand and stuff. Yeah. Because they showed, they showed that a couple times. It's not possible. It's this is a moment in time where if he doesn't do he can he can choose to not do what he's seen. If he does something different, that outcome either will or won't happen. Like this is a deciding moment. Okay. Okay. To go down that path, so when he he's, he's seen it when he killed Jameis, right? And like right. if he would have obviously if he would have died and not killed Jameis, it wouldn't have happened. But there's a there's a couple of times when that happens. That's what it is. Is that he has this un it's like this like almost dread of this future that he knows is going to happen, but he he does have a choice, but he still kind of goes along with it. Okay. All right. Well, let's let's start from the beginning of the movie. Um, they start off on Arrakis. That's the name of the planet, right? Yes. Or Dune. Okay. You can you could just call it Dune. Yeah. Either or. Okay. Oh, I'm calling it Arrakis because it sounds cooler. Start off okay. with Arrakis. Um, it shows the front. How's House Harkonnen. How's Harkonnen. And it shows House Harkonnen on the planet harvesting spice and mm-hmm. with the Fernan Furman that that Furman. are there. Um it shows them leaving the planet. By decree of the Emperor. By decree of the Emperor. And then we switch over to House of Artreides. Artreus? Artreides. See so, House Atreides is a direct descendant from a Greek uh emperor. Uh or King, King Atreus, who's a real person. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, a lot of, there's a lot of things in here, like all the, all the Fremen words and stuff have like, he, he, he used like real language and like they all kind of have, I don't know it all, but like there is like, it's not just made up words. Like they have meaning if you know what they're derived from. This, this sci-fi universe, after seeing this movie, I enjoy it a lot. It's really detailed. Like, I also feel like it could all, almost just be thrown into Star Wars. I get, I get senses of that that Star Wars and Dune could could actually be in the same universe, just a little bit. Yeah, I mean, so basically, the difference between Star Wars and this is that there aren't aliens, and everything came from Earth. Like all these people are descendants of people from Earth. That's what I had a question about. Maybe you can answer this because you've read the books. What? How did they come to the conclusion that they needed spice to for interstellar travel? Okay, so back in the past, they had artificial intelligence computers that could do the complex mathematics to okay. to traverse space without dying or you know any accidents, light speed without accidents. Yeah, but they had this huge um, uh, what is it crusade against technology like that? So 
artificial intelligence and thinking computers are not allowed to exist anymore. It's against their, it's like, like a, it's like a religious thing that they had um, okay. a problem with. So now you don't have computers. So you remember when he asks the guy, how expensive was it for them to come here? And his eyes roll back in his head. And then he like gives like yeah, a computer yeah, answer. Yeah. He's a mentat, which is a human computer. They've been trained for their brains to function as a computer. So he can do that kind of stuff. Okay. And the guild navigators, which are, there's only one company, the spacing guild who can do space travel. Right. Because right. they're descendants of people who are like a mathematics guild who realize if they use the spice in super high do- doses that they can traverse, they can get a limited field of prescience so that it can know it's safe to do this trip right now. Okay. Okay. But, that makes- those, but those people are literally in a tank, like, uh, like in a human sized tank full of spice and it transforms their body into like a weird little worm guy and then they can't live without the spice disgusting yeah they're they're terrible but it's also the reason they're like the richest people in the universe because everyone has to pay them whatever they decide to do anything oh god I wish I wish maybe like on a second viewing a lot of stuff would be a lot more clear but I wish I was they (laughs) they don't explain any of it because okay. they can't. They could take, you know, they could do 40 minutes of info dumps and it would be boring as fuck. But what they're really doing is they're just breaking it down to the main story. And if you're like me and read the books, you know why all these people are like this. And if you don't, you just, you still get the gist of what's happening without yeah, knowing yeah. all those I, I, that's That's probably what it is. Cause, you know, I did understand what was happening, but I was just like, why Why do they need this spice? I'm like, I'm not. So it's, the spice, it's a, a hallucinant drug. But now, but now since you you explained it, it makes a lot more sense now. It also causes everyone to live longer who takes it. The more of it you eat, the longer you live. And then my next question, which is, this one's more like a stupid question, is they've been harvesting stuff for eighty years. I get the planet is is a massive planet, and that the spice is in the it's just in the sand. But how is the spice being produced? Um. Did they so explain that in the books? They, they do explain in the books how that happens. It, it is perpetually made. What happens is when um, there's this really complex relationship between what are called um, sand trout, I believe, and uh-huh. they eventually, through some process, become sand worms. And when they become sand worms, uh, the chemical compound that creates that creates spice. Oh, okay. So it's it's perpetually being made by like the life and death of these bioorganisms that live in the sand. Okay. And that's also why it can only happen here because this is the only planet that has those organisms and the right planet conditions to make it. Okay. Shoot. Okay. So now let's let's get back to the story of of the whole thing. So instantly, as soon as you saw the houses, you knew this was going to be a, polit- a political thing. Yep. Which is pretty much every single space story. But then that's when we get to meet Paul. Yeah, who's our main character for the first two books. I already got a problem with Paul. Okay. Paul's name is Paul. Yeah. Don't, uh, we have all these awesome names that, 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 that are being spouted out. And then I hear that his name is Paul, and I was just like, that is so lame. Well, so when you pull that, right, 
the, the, the my explanation for it is pretty simple along the lines of they did all come from Earth, and this is a family of like you know it's like a hierarchical family. Mm-hmm. He's, his, he's the son of a duke, and so like you would assume that they have probably names that get handed down through the family. So Paul could be a family name from back when their family was on Earth. Still no excuse. Paul's name. Compared to everybody else. I mean, his mom's name is Jessica. Jessica's a better name. Jessica looks like it fits her. Paul Paul is just... I feel like Paul is so forced. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm just not I a guess... fan of it. But that, that's a small complaint. Yeah. But I definitely, every time they said it, I was like, I just feel like that shouldn't be his name. He's going to get a new name. Don't worry. Okay. Then we get to meet uh, Poe Dameron. Uh, Duke Leto Atreides? No, no, his name is Poe. Leto. Leto is a dope name. I like his. I like that name. When I seen he was in it, and then, and then he said he was the dad of, uh, of Paul, and I was just like, well, that don't make any sense. I feel like you're not, <laughs> you're not the same uh, ethnicity, but his mom is super white. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, that was awesome to see him. I thought I thought he was going to die like instantly. Like, as soon as I saw him, I was like, "Well, since you're the head of, of this, you're probably going to die within the next ten minutes." He survived a lot longer than I thought. He he survived less long than he did in the books. A lot of the scenes they cut out was him still being alive and doing stuff on the planet. But it basically gives you the same stuff. You just get less interaction with him. That's another thing. So when you say uh, him doing stuff on the planet, do you mean Arrakis or do you mean Arrakis? Yeah. Okay. When they when so they move that... to Arrakis, they have a little bit more time on the planet to try to like, uh, to like defend. Like they try to they try to build up their defenses better. Yeah, that was one thing that I thought just just really quickly. I, I was like, did did they really just come to Arrakis, be here for like a day or two, and then all die? And I was like, if they probably just you know fast forward time. And skipped yeah. out a lot of stuff, which makes sense. And that's what I thought they did. But I was just like, I would, I would usually would expect to see like two months later or something at the bottom explaining. I, I don't even know if they made it two months on the planet, but they did do more stuff. Like she, Jessica, like organizes like a dinner for all like the prominent people of the planet. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so you get some, you get some more of. Of that kind of stuff, it's just it's little stuff, and like I said, it doesn't really take away from anything other than I really like Leto as a character, and I liked the actor playing him in this. I thought he was doing fantastic. I I would have enjoyed seeing more of him, but that could be like a, an extended cut, maybe if they filmed any of it. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, to, so. So. So we were training. Oh no! The first time you see the first time you see Paul, he's he's having breakfast with his mom. She tells him to, to like try to use the voice. Mm-hmm. I think the voice is OP. It is. It's stupid, broken, but there is some some uh, fairness to it. Okay, one. Uh, first off, I was so worried how they were gonna, like how they were gonna in the movie do the voice. Like how are they gonna make it sound? Uh huh. Perfect. Like the coolest way it could have done it. Like, I have no creepy. complaints. It's but creepy. it's. It's, it's like how I thought it was in the books, like the way they describe it. So, first off, the Bene Jesuit are an organization similar to um, the Spacing Guild, where okay. they're very, very secretive. Um, traditionally, only women are allowed to 
be in it or learn from them. Yeah, I, I got that from what what the conversation between what the the head person is and Jessica. Yeah, and so they take so so long to learn it. On top of that, they have a lot of abilities that they don't advertise. Like the voice is well known, but no, not like super well known. But they have other stuff too. They're super overpowered, but they have very specific specific goals. Also, I feel like what's what's the what's the leader lady called? The one that was all in black. Uh Gaius Helen Muhammad. Okay, so I'm gonna call her the Night Mother. So the Night Mother, I feel like she's like she works for the Emperor, but I feel like she's going against the Emperor as well. Yes, with, so with the way the conversation sounded. Okay. They have they work with the families, quotation marks, but their goal is to make the Quasi Hadarak, which is what they think Paul's gonna be. The one. Right. And so what it is is that uh mentally uh the females can go into a mental place very easily but there's a other half of that that they can't go into they describe it as like a black void that they can't access okay so if they find if they create a male who can go into who can pass their tests the he could then go into that place they can't go and then that's when you have like the ultimate mind basically and that's what allows paul to then he he gets to a point where he is extremely overpowered. That's cool. And um, so, it, but it's like, that's why they're doing literally thousands of years of uh, breed this person with this person and these genes with these genes to equate this ultimate person. And that's why they, they have their own, they have their own motives for sure. And I was just going to talk about that next. She did mention that they were already prepping at their own, their own people. Do you think we're going to see those in the future? What do you mean, their own people? Like, uh, they, she, she mentioned that she was already, like, prepping. Because she doesn't know if, if Paul is the one. Oh, yeah. They, already have... they have, um, at least in the books, there are other people that were, like, almost it. Like, they just, they came close, but not quite there. And so, like, it's, it's definitely Paul. Is Paul going to fight these guys? Or are they, are they already dead or what? <sighs> it's not necessarily fight, but they do come into contact and they do cause problems later on. Okay. Okay. I don't know how much you want me to spoil it for you. Cause it... No. I don't want to be too spoiled, but these are just some questions that I, I just had because I, I just yeah. want to know what to look forward to. For but the they, will, they will come back. Okay. Yeah, they, they will come up. One, okay, so after this scene, basically... That's when the uh, the emperor's men come down, tell them that they that they need to go to Arrakis, and goes take over the spice control, all that. It's more that, like the formal ceremony kind of thing because it was already decided. Yes, I think after that, that's when we see Aquaman, Jason Momoa, <laughs> who is hold up. I'm going to tell you this now. His name is Duncan Idaho, and if they make if they make every single one of the Dune books, right. Mm-hmm. Let's say this. Let's say this thing goes and it's just a massive hit, and they decide to make every single one. Jason Momoa will be in every single movie, and he's the only character who will be. Oh snap! And this man was yeah. supposed to die. He, he does. <laughs> man, 
Wait, so was so, so wait, did he actually die then? In, in this yeah, he's, movie? For, he, he's 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 hundred percent dead. But he came back. Yeah, he's in every single one. How does that work? It's yeah. it's insanity. I can't I cannot tell you, but it's insanity. Okay. So he he shows up, finds out that him and Paul are best friends. That's cool. Um, that's when Paul has like one of his visions, or he's already had one of his visions. At this and, point, he was only having the visions in dreams. In, in dreams, yes. And he wanted to stop, or he wanted to go go with uh, Duncan, Duncan Idaho. That's a cool yep. name. That's a cool name. Yeah, he's dope. And then yeah, he, Paul. He wanted to, he wanted to go with him to stop him from dying because he thought he could, if he, he was there, he would. Yeah. Affect it, and then meanwhile, still having thousands of dreams about Zendaya. Yep. Now I, I would say we switch. It switches over to House Harkonnen, right? Yep. So then we go to Harkonnen, and you see. I gotta say this: the most terrifying creature, that spider with hands. Oh my! Yeah, God. that was that was insanity, wasn't it? Oh, I was I wanted that thing to turn around, but I didn't want to see like what his face looked like. But oh my gosh, I'm glad that thing was not in the rest of the movie. I don't know how <laughs> I would have handled that. Okay, um, go ahead. So remember the guy that that he asked him the sums, right? And yeah. he told him. So he's a mentat, which means he has the computer programming brain. But it's like yeah. uh, it's a mode they have to go into. It's not like he's always like that. Because he is still a human. So, he is also an assassin. Oh, snap. So, that's why he's super useful to, to uh, Duke Leto. Because he, he, he like has like a dual purpose. And they play off each other. They're very useful to be able to have somebody whose goal is to murder people. Also, have this super analytical mind. Right. So, when you go to the Harkonnens, the skinny bald guy... The yeah. kind of creepier, the guy who was with the the spider, yeah, he is a mentat as well, but he's like kind of insane, like he's like super cruel. You know what I mean? Oh, didn't get any of that from him because he's dead, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> so he he's their mentat, and then, um, so Baron Harkonnen, he's the the big fat one, the creepiest dude. So when he when he started floating, I. So he's. I don't know. That was, he's that was, so. He's so fat. He can't support himself. So he has to use suspensors. All those are suspensors. No, you yeah, sure that, he's, not, he's not just flying. He he has the metal things down his back that activate oh, and oh, that okay. they let him fly. Okay. Yeah. And then he, the big, uh, um, what's his name? Dave Batista. Yeah, I say John Batista. He's uh he's his nephew. Um. Beast Raban is his name. Mm-hmm. So he, they don't show him in this in this one. They'll show him in the next one. But he has another nephew, and the other nephew is the one he's grooming to be his successor. There. Okay. But because he's like the smarter, more cunning one, whereas Beast is like the brutal kind of yeah. guy. Yeah, I guess but he, he's, has, he has problems with that. He's using him. He he's like using his stupidity and his like just love of brutal stuff right now, 
but he's going to stop being necessary later. Okay. And they also showed absolutely none of it in this for some reason, which is a pretty big part of the thing, but the Baron is, like, super gay and very predatory. Okay. Well, kind of kind of got that vibe when he stripped down um... Leto? Oh, yeah. Maybe a little bit. But Maybe yeah, he's, he's like... It's, like, terrible. But I, I'm imagining they maybe tried not to do that because there is, like, a history of, like, just making the bad guy gay in movies and stuff. Oh, I didn't even know that. Or, like, implying it. Like, they have that thing where it seems like there's not a lot of, like, heroes that are gay, but you'll make, you know, like yeah. a... Yeah. Because then, I mean, there's some level of, like, if you're, like, a straight guy and then there's, like, a predatory, like... It's like a thing that guys don't have to worry about. So then when you do, it's like extra off-putting, I guess. Right. But uh, there is some... That doesn't... I guess it doesn't matter too much, but a little bit. That's why he doesn't have an heir. Weird. So They might actually explain it in the next movie a little bit. Yeah, they'll have to go into it a little bit. But he's... I think that was about as good visually and just acting of that character as possible. I mean, just so creepy and so off-putting to like just look at. Yeah, and... I don't. I, I always love how the biggest contrast between two factions is, all, is always how dark the the opposite one is. Yeah, I, and I like you... that, but I also like I, I feel like this cliche, but also these guys are it, like if it, it, it fits the movie for this movie, these guys are creepy. And if you if you look at their ideals, right? Like their just their houses and how they conduct themselves. You have Atreides and like literally he says like we've never turned we've never not answered a call. We've never not, you know, honored a oath. Like we you yeah. know like if you give out what they have people. they're disciplined, respectable, trustworthy, and like honor people. And then the Harkonnens are like gluttonous, uh, you know, um brutal, like untrustworthy like like yeah. they have like they're almost exactly polar opposites of each other okay so we go to the harkonnens and this is when we get a little bit of the idea of we're gonna this is when we get the first hint that the empire is that the emperor is somewhat plotting. somewhat in on the plan yes yes he's plotting with you guys because he wants to get rid of House Trades because Paul could be too powerful, could have too much force behind him. Is that no. the reason? So they, no one knows except for the Bene Gesserit that Paul is supposedly going to be this quasi Hutterak. Okay. No one else knows about this prophecy other than the Bene Gesserit. But but the house, but the house itself has a lot of backing. That's the house. Right? So Leto is extremely popular with the other, um, with the other houses. Also, about that, you know, I heard about the other houses a couple of times. You only see two of them. They don't even get mentions of, of the other names. They don't, they don't really bring them in. The only other house you're going to get is um, the Emperor's house, which is... Uh, I can't remember. It's not Carino. It might be Carino. That sounds cool. But so, in the books, and I'm sure it is in the thing, they just didn't explain it, uh, the Emperor doesn't have sons. He doesn't have any heirs. Is, is so, it because he's gay too? No, no. He has, he has children. He just doesn't have male heirs. Oh, okay. 
and he's also related. Uh, I think he's cousins with Leto. Okay. So he oh, he so kind of he, he sees a he sees a very charismatic and popular house with an heir who is vaguely related to him and sees they could be a threat. And then he sees their bitter enemies, the Harkonnen, extremely rich and prosperous, who could also be a threat. And so his idea to pin them against each other, in theory, should weaken them both. It will, because he he, he at least has knocked them both down a peg, if not erased one of them. Okay. Because all all this time that they aren't on, the Harkonnens don't have Dune, they're losing money. And then also just space travel in general is extraordinarily expensive. And so they have to fund the movement of the, tr- of the troops. Right. And you have to pay extra to move them in secret. So it's like, he, he's, it is a very, very good move. If it would have played out the way he wanted it to, it would have crippled both houses. Same. See, Dan, I knew this was a, this was a, a heavy political movie. As soon as they said the houses. So now we finally get to Arrakis. Arrakis. Yeah, Arrakis. Um, first thing, the first thing that I wanted to see was I, I just wanted to see the worm. Like they, they waited about so it. long. <laughs> I was like, I just, I just want to see this thing. Um, they get to Arrakis. What's the first thing they do? I think so, they. I think that's just that's that's just a slow moment in the movie where you know he's walking have- around. Yeah, they have uh, all the troops are leaving the the ships. They're all wearing their armor. They're all ready in case they're going to get attacked. Uh, uh, Paul gets to see Sulfur again, which is the Mentat guy. Then they get on the uh, the Thopters and fly over the you know over the terrain, and you get to see the city and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then they don't, you they see don't the say palm the, trees. You see the what? The palm trees. Yeah, and so this is like. Okay, so they they threw like four things into this at once. So in the in the book, the locals don't like the palm trees. Oh, they're like they're like um, because they do they take like five people's water yep. each tree, and like water is on the planet where surround you can get spice anywhere. So spice being the gold, the currency of the whole universe, right. it's not on Arrakis because it's so plentiful on Arrakis. You can get it so easily. Water is... Water is the most important thing. Is the huge thing. And so in the books, those palm trees are all are like the Harkonnens. Like, it's like a slap in the face to all of the, you know... That's... Dying that's of, and they have worse things. So they have that dinner and there's a tradition that the Harkonnens had that you would, when you, all the rich people, when they'd come in, they'd wash their hands and feet in, in like this huge basin of water. And as like a, we're so rich, we don't even care about it kind of thing. Just, just to like for the fuck of it kind of thing. And then the servants would, uh, like soak rags in the water and then like sell the droplets of water to the people outside. That's messed up. And so, like, when Leto shows up and he sees that, he's like, fuck this, that shit's over. I want you to give all that water to the people outside right now, like, none of this bullshit, and it should be free. You know, because he's, he's the total he's opposite. Yes. But, so, when 
Paul's like, should we get rid of these trees? And the guy's like, oh no, this is like a longstanding dream type thing, right? It's the Fremen's goal is to terraform this planet into not a desert. They want to make they want to make the world an easily inhabitable place. Okay. That's like their big dream. And so that Liet Kynes, she's a, what is it? Not ecologist, but something like some eco, you know, scientist. Oh yeah, okay, that lady. It, it's it's her dream. Like she she's the one who brought it to them as a as a goal and is working for the plan to do that. And now she's dead. Yeah. But so that's I just wanted to, I just wanted to say that because like that, that's one of those things where they cut things and they kind of mash things together just to make you, you get the same points, but they you know they couldn't yeah couldn't draw that out right. So next scene is him uh, Paul studying with the, the okay. holographic thing or whatever. Is, the, this is one of my favorite scenes. Uh, so he does do that in the books. He uses those holographic projectors a lot. But we don't... They don't give us the same information. What they've done is instead of... In like smaller scenes and smaller conversations from the books that they cut, they throw uh-huh. information into... They throw that information into those projectors so that you're not having info dumps all the time. But yeah. you're still getting the information. It was really well done. Definitely so, enjoyed that. But go ahead. So then, in this scene, the hunter seeker comes in. Yes. And hunter seekers are dope. And I just realized we skipped the fighting, the training montage before he went to. Oh Arrakis, yeah, yeah. Where we where we understand where they tell you about how the shields work, which is that that took so long for me to fully comprehend how what the shields were doing. Yeah. So quick movements. Are blocked. Yes. Slow movements yes. aren't. So with a shield, you couldn't shoot a gun at somebody. It would block it. Okay. And so they're extremely. Tr- everyone's so well trained with fighting with these shields. So the the thing is, you have to be extremely quick to catch the opening, but then you have to have these crazy reflexes to just at the just when you get to the shield, slow down so that it'll actually penetrate the shield. So it's a really weird, really specific way of fighting based off of shields. Yeah, and, and it it took, I think it took until Lando, that's his name, right? The King? Lado. Lado. I, I think it took until he got shot for me to fully understand what, what the shield was doing. Because I was yeah. just like, I was like, okay, I see that the shield is, you know, it's blocking hits and stuff, but I'm seeing all these people die so quickly in, in the in the battle. I was mm-hmm. I was completely confused by by how the shields were working, and until I finally seen that that scene, I was like, okay, that makes that makes sense now. And so with with that, that's why they all use knives and swords because shield, shields have made regular projectile weapons pointless. Yeah, this this is definitely one of those movies where you definitely need like outside information in order to fully comprehend the movie. Yeah. Because there's so much stuff. There's so much stuff in this movie. Okay, but so the Hunter Seeker comes in, and what makes them dangerous is that they can slowly move through the shield and Mm -hmm. still kill you. But Paul's not wearing the shield, which is another thing that he 
throughout the book, remember Duncan Idaho or uh, Gurney Halleck comes in and goes, I told you not to stand with your back towards the door. Yeah. He's always telling him that he's always telling him, don't, you know, like keep your shield on. Like he's like always trying to give him like, come on, you know, these rules, like follow them. And Paul's like, you know, a teenager, like I, I'm fine. Another thing that we're going to call back to is he talks about how he knows his footsteps. Okay. That was it. Yeah. And that, and that is from, that's uh, a little bit of the military and a lot of bit of the Benny Jesuit. Right. That's right. their, that's their kind of stuff is they, they pick up on body language. They have like super good senses that have been trained up. And so like, these are just little things that are like to show that he's not your normal teenager. Like he does have skills. You know what I mean? Yeah. But so the hunter seeker comes in, he's not wearing the shield, none of that stuff. And the way they work is it's just by motion. Yeah. I was just about to say movement. And that's why he stands still. I and love I, how he was like, how they made it look like he was hiding inside the holographic tree. Or it, bush, looks whatever so, it, was. it looks so cool. Yes, I was like, no way that this, this stuff is actually working. And then that's when they hit me that it's, it's just movement. And then I was like, this is actually pretty cool. How they and, then, and then she opens the door and he grabs it and smashes it because it would have killed her that's instantly. Me. Yep. Just what an uh, awesome... I love that whole scene. It I was love, done so yeah, good. I would say that's probably one of my favorites. And they didn't... Obviously, they didn't describe this, but you know how then Sulfur is like so... Uh, he feels so bad that he he failed and all that stuff, and he's trying to resign. Yeah, they specifically designed that room. They left that room set up in a way that it was like appealing to Paul. Like, like the wall had carvings that of things that like interest him. You know what I mean? Right. Like it was like a huge plot. Like they were like, we're gonna make this the most desirable room for this dude, and then we're gonna set it up for this murder. So it was like, I mean, yeah, he missed it, but it's like, who's really gonna scan? every wall for a person built inside. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and then they find... So the the secret was... The person was already dead that was controlling it? I think he was alive and they killed him. Okay. Yeah, because when they, when, they, when they found him in the wall, I was just like a little confused that he just... They didn't show him. They didn't show him capture him or anything. He's just dead in the wall. Yeah. I, I think that was just one of those things where they just needed to speed through small stuff. Yeah. So next okay, so scene, what's, what's next? It's when they go, it's when they go it's out they to, go, yep. to they go see. They go actually meet the, the eco, ecologist, ecologist, and whatever. See the, this, yeah. And, and see how, there. the, how, the spice, how the spice machine works, the, the harvester works. Yeah. And so there's a couple of important things in this. Uh, well, there's one that's not important. Is that uh, in the books she's a guy? Oh, but it's the the character doesn't matter either way. Um, uh, the the moment when she's checking everyone's suits, and and he already has his fully on like he like he's been in it a thousand times. Yeah, that's that's a little bit of the prescience kicking in. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's like because. It's not like he's just like sits down and tries to like look at the future. It's like he's perceiving time at once. It's like Dr. Manhattan. Okay. So once oh, it oh. fully kicks in, like he's ex- he's like grieving about a tragedy that hasn't happened yet at times and like 
know what I mean? Like he's like anywhere in time at any moment and then has to remember to like come back to his body and like actually function in, in real time. Right. I feel like I wonder if his mom is like actually getting the hint of all this. She's that's why like um see they made her cry a lot in this movie, which I didn't like because I never got that from the books. She seemed way more um cutthroat. Yeah, like more of like a hard ass in the books. Hard, yeah. But I think they were doing that to convey that she like seen that stuff was hap like that she was because in the book she is worrying for him. Yeah. And when it when it really starts to kick in, it really does like scare her how he how quickly he changes, like how drastically he changes. But anyway, so so we hit the we get to see them fly over and watch the spice production. So we kind of get an idea of how this works. And we get to see the worm. And that was a really intense scene for me. Yes. I don't I don't think in the book he he doesn't um just stay outside the thopter. They don't have to come rescue him. It's not like that last minute in the books. Or it doesn't feel like it's that yeah, last yeah, minute yeah, in the books. Some tension in it. But in the books, a lot of the action scenes are super downplayed and it's almost all internal thought and talking. So maybe that's why it's because he never really focuses on action that much in the books. But I was super tense. Like I was like, what? Like, I know what's going to happen. And even I was like, goddamn, get in the fucking ship. Yeah. I was, I was wondering how, how things were going to play out. I didn't, I wasn't expecting the worm to just devour everything right there. Like I was, I was expecting it to like, have you ever seen that SpongeBob episode with the Alaskan bullworm? Yep. Where it just carves through things. I thought it was going to do something like that and not, be like just under everybody and just just suck everything down and be so massive. And it's, that was I, I love I love that part. I love that part. I also loved it. Of you know he's in this in the trance and all that, and then he goes, uh, "I know your footsteps." And then that's when uh, the soldier with the guy pulls him up. I like that. Yeah. So one thing, those aren't even, we haven't even seen the biggest worms yet. That worm, that worm was massive. These are the small these are the small worms in the outer desert. There's way bigger ones in the deep desert. Um <laughs> and the guy who caught who got him, Gurney Halleck, him and Duncan Idaho are both basically like the best Atreides soldiers. Yeah. And they both have their own reasons to absolutely hate the Harkonnens. That's how they came to the Atreides. They weren't just like regular Atreides soldiers that were like rose up through the ranks. They have like personal hatred towards that is Harkonnens. I believe Gurney, if I'm not mistaken, literally grew up on Harkonnens planet. And like had like lived under their tyranny and everything. And that's like why he like hey, came over to the Atreides. Die in this movie? No. We the last time we see him he's charging into battle. Yeah, he's doing the battle. I, that's what I was wondering about that. I, I feel like everybody was just gonna die there. He doesn't. He doesn't die. Okay. Um. Okay, but so we got the, we got to see the the sandworm finally. We got to see the waste spices done, and you also get to see how uh, shitty the uh, machines that the Harkonnen left was intentionally sabotaged, yeah. and you get to see Leto's character when it comes to. I'm gonna save my people. Oh, he is, yeah. 
Yeah, at, at whatever cost. Man, see, when they said there was what? They said there was 18 people? No, no. 21. There's 21 people. And they were like, uh, we, we can fit six on each one. And they was like, well, that still leaves three. I was like, why are we making a big deal about putting an extra person on, on this? Oh, well, because in... Um, specifically, they like to do this a lot in sci- science fiction. I actually read a whole story uh, about this where it's like, if they overweight if they put weight too much weight on the ship then it either won't work right or you'll run out of fuel okay and if you run out of fuel in the desert you're fucked okay that makes sense then but that's why they dropped they, that's they, why they dropped that extra gear or yeah. whatever it was yeah um then we got one of the dragonfly, the dragonfly ships are cool yeah i like jet them a lot or jet flies they're thopters that's not they what call they, them, they call them ornithopters or something like that. They definitely call them jet flies. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. They did not. They, they did not say whatever you just said. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure they're called ornithopters. I, I, I mean, you're you're probably right, but I'm confident they didn't say that in the movie. I'm, I swear they said jet flies because I was calling them dragonflies but the entire time in my head, and then I heard I heard them say like jet flies or something like that, and I was like, oh, that's a cool name. But either way, so uh, we the I next scene I, we have. Yeah, go ahead. The next scene we have is when uh, the mom Jessica is trying to pick the housekeeper. Yes. Now th- this scene is a little weird. I didn't like one specific thing about it. Huh. When okay, so another thing they can't they can't show the internal thoughts of people in a movie, right? Right. But so, when this is happening in the books, it is Jessica realizes from this lady's body language that it's a very tense moment, and there's she has to figure out the correct words to say. So when the lady says, uh, "It's a gift," do you know what it is? And she says, "It's a Chris knife." And then she says, "But do you know what it does or what?" It, she asks like to like specify, and then uh-huh. Jessica says, "It's a maker," and then that lady like screeches in the in the books it's a little bit more to it and she's trying to like deduce from like body language and like the Benny Jesuit show up and make up and like implant this religious belief right Mm -hmm. but they show up thousands of years ago so she has to like based off of context clues of how this lady talks and the other words she uses how has how has the language changed over these thousands of years and based on this specific culture, like it's not, it's not exactly what we, we left them. They've changed it and I have to say the right thing. Otherwise there's a major, major problem. And she does deduce it, but it's like way more complicated and way more like in that it looked really easy. Like she just said the right words, but in her head, she was like running through like all these possibilities of saying the wrong words and like, why this is the right thing to say right now and like how is this going to play out kind of thing. Yeah. So it, it was a small scene in this that they had to put in, but it was a way, but way it, more important scene in the books, like a way more intense. And, yeah, this was just, I'm going to give him, give him Chris knife pretty much. Yeah. But like, and that's a big deal. Like her pulling off the right words and getting that Chris knife is like, it, it really lends to her uh, credibility with the Fremen people. As one of their priestesses. Uh, Jessica's badass. Oh, she's amazing. She's one of the coolest characters. 
Uh, and we'll get to that later. But so that, that scene was just important. I just, that lady's screech was like too much. It bothered me. <laughs> also, the only thing that I had a problem with in general is the, the, the music to talking ratio was just like too much. Like, it was too loud. There, there were points where I was just like, this is really loud. Like, can, can the- you not? <laughs> I watched a little bit of it in the on TV. I haven't finished it. Uh huh. It's it's better not in theaters. It's yeah, more like, toned, it's more toned down. Yeah, I was like, I don't I don't know if this is intentional or or what, but I've never actually like paid attention and noticed how something's bothered me like that. That yeah. was so, that that was annoying. I, I thought got that used too. Halfway through, but at, at moments it was like outrageously loud. Yes. Um. Another thing I didn't like on that front is that 90% of this movie was like super dark and dim. And then he would have visions of Cheney and it would be like blindingly bright. And it would be like, can you, can you do some, like, <laughs> give me like two frames in between that, that aren't like, <laughs> right. Like, it was just, it was too much. Molly was getting really pissed about it. But, uh, other than that, I don't think I have any major complaints with the filming. Yeah. Same. It's, it's mainly the music is or, or the loudness is what bothered me. Yeah. Um, um. Next scene is the dinner, not the dinner. Um. Nighttime now, right? Uh. Um, all these, all, all these flashbacks or not flashbacks. These are uh, visions. But I don't have much to say because oh, well, we skipped. Didn't even take place. We skipped over um. When she tests to see if he's a human or not. I was going to say something about that, but I was like, we're so far from that, from that point. Well, there, there's some interesting bits in that. Is, okay. Uh, the hand thing. So that is one of the... Wait, that's you a piece of, if, he's, if he's human. Yes. Wait, what? To see if he's animal or human is what they're testing. Oh, oh yeah. Okay, I got you. Um, so the, the box itself, it just hurts. It... it, it sends through signals to your nerves to feel pain. I I low-key feel like I knew how how it was like playing out. And I, and I, I feel like I can feel that type of pain. Yeah, it's just like, pain with, with just feeling, though. Yeah. It's like, like toothache pain almost, you know what I mean? Where it's like there's nothing hitting it, it's just in pain right now. Yes. And, and so, like, she does that, and she's kind of pissed that Jessica didn't have a, a daughter. Because yeah, I remember that they can control it. Like that's one of their things, right? Is it like they have supreme control over their body, and so she could she made a conscious decision to have Paul be a boy. Uh and so she's so pissed about it. So she has him have his hand in the box way longer than they do it for the ladies. This man, just to be kind of a dick. The one thing that got me. Uh, is when she holds the, the needle, needle up to his neck, her hand is mad shaky. And I understand, like, most people can't hold their hand out and not shake at all. But the, the Benny Jesuit, they wouldn't move. Her hand would be statuesque. You know what I mean? Right. Like, they have supreme control over, like, their muscles and everything. They have, like, these crazy fucking training things that they do. And, like, they're 
perfectly precise. Like how how they do that battle language, you know, where they're mm-hmm. talking with their hands, the Atreides. Oh, also, I, I, I love I love that. I love That's, how they're using. It's not sign language, but it's, it, no, it's it's their own specific language to that house. Only that love, house knows it. I love that. But, I also love the fact that Paul knows more than one language because that doctor was talking to him in a different language earlier. Yep. But I couldn't figure out why because I'm like, he was he was talking for the mom, but the mom was right there, and I know she could hear everything that he's saying, and I know that she probably knows the language that that he's speaking. So I was a little confused of why switch of language happened right there. I don't know what he was saying. I think he was trying. I think it is implied that she didn't know that. She probably should have though. Oh, but so, okay. so. A couple of things though. So let me finish this point, and then I'll, I'll jump onto that doctor because we missed some stuff about him too. When uh-huh. he, when she's, so she's holding the needle, she should have been able to hold that basically precise. Um, then they did a really cool thing where Jessica was outside, and this is when I thought they were overplaying how distraught she was, like visual, visually. I don't think she uh-huh. would have been acting like that in her head. She was, and I think that's why they were doing it because like they can't show you what her thoughts are, so they have to make her physically act that way. Right. When she started doing the litany against fear, which is that I must not fear, fear is the mind killer, da 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 da. Yeah. That speech, that's like a, that's a Benny Jesuit thing. And I thought it was cool that they had her outside saying it. And then they jumped to Paul inside thinking it. And you knew he was thinking it as she was saying it. And that's why he calmed down in the middle of the pain. Because he was that's- using that, he was using that mind technique, which calms your nerves and keeps you. Composed. I, I like I like I like how they did that. I like Paul as a character. I'm just I'm just hate his name. And <laughs> Jessica's really cool. And, and, I, I I definitely don't like the Emperor uh the the Night Mother. That's what I'm gonna call her. Yeah, she don't like her. She sucks. The Bene Gesserit as a as a collective are kind of a bunch of assholes. But oh, I just Jessica's dope. And then the doctor, uh, Doctor Yui, he's a Souk doctor. They, they have all these different like groups and organizations and things. And so just how the Mentat are trained to be uh, human computers, the soup uh-huh. doctors are conditioned to not be able to harm their house, whoever they work for. So but he was able to. Right. Because he found some like mental loophole that he actually held like he, um, his wife was the one who his loyalty was to before them. And so he wasn't hurting them. He was helping his wife. Okay. So he like, he like found his way, but that's why it was when they, there's a point in the book where they know there's a traitor in the, in the household. And they think it is Jessica before they think it's him. Because it's like 100% just taken as fact that a soup doctor can't hurt someone. Right. So he's like written off as the, as the guy, even though it is him. So it's like, it's a huge surprise that it's him because of that. But, you know, Couldn't this is just extra little things. Yeah, you can't, you can't have, I mean, that was a whole fucking massive That's thing. A whole, yeah, a plot line that they have to explain. The movie's already long enough. Yeah. So okay, so what we did? Um, so I think we covered everything in that first act of the movie, to... and, and we're getting to when uh, 
I want to say we're getting to, to the to nighttime, nighttime part. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh. So this is... Oh, wait, wait. Before we get to the nighttime, uh, when... What's his name again? What's Poe po Dameron's name? Leto. When Leto got back and he was talking to Jessica about how the sun is changing and all that, and, and then he and he talked about how he thought he had more time. Yeah. Explain to me why he came to the conclusion that he was going to die that night. I, I don't know if he knew he was going to die that night, but um, specifically in the in the books, and they do it kind of a little bit in here. It's like before they even go to Arrakis. Uh huh. There are people talking as if the Duke is already dead. Like, okay. like, like, I, they, like I knew that he the was political the like. It's like he's he almost acts as if he knows he's not going to make it. Like they know how much of a long shot it is. They know how bad of a situation they're in, yeah. and he's he's basically he's seeing he's seeing the trap close in on him. But I think he might have also been talking in that moment that he thought he had more time with to to like influence Paul. Okay. You know what I mean? Like he Yeah. Cause a lot of that was him kind of resenting that Paul has like a that she has he knows the Benny Jesuit have some plan and that she's at some level working, working a plan that he's that he's not involved in and that might even go against him that's why he asks like when i'm gone will you protect him i'm not asking the mom i'm asking the benny jesuit like he kind of even if he doesn't know he's gonna die that day he sees it coming okay because as soon as he said that and i was like there's no way that these guys are gonna find a way to kill him soon and then and then it happened i was like he like he really was able to call that yeah, and I think I think that's just another thing of the pacing's a little bit off because we had to cut and condense. Yeah. You know what I mean? And just like the way those scenes laid out, it made it seem like he knew it was going to happen tonight when I, I don't think he knew it was going to happen until it, you know, he just knew it was close. He could... They maybe didn't do it as good, but there's like a very clear like... They don't take this gift of the planet as like a, Oh, we've won. They recognize it as a, as like a gambit to take them down. Like they see it as yeah. a, as a, as a very dangerous thing as soon as it happens. And then we get to the fighting. So the fighting. So oh, actually no, the power gets turned off. Power goes out. He gets hit with the, the hunter seeker and goes out. Um, and, and then, then, yep. And they start the, the attack starts. Um, Paul, had taken so remember when Leto goes to sleep she's like you need to sleep she goes to give him the pills and he's like not that way yeah those are like sleeping pills and it's very common in this book for people to take pills to stay up for like four days straight and then also to take pills to go to go sleep to right when you want to go to sleep you know, so they they're not so, they're not they're he did a light sleep. They didn't explain that really well. Like that's like I I, I get what they they couldn't do it that way, but yeah. But that so made, that that made, without that context, that made no sense. But so the the pills are supposed to, you know so basically you're not going off your body schedule. You're going off of when you decide to sleep and and not sleep. Yeah, and he decides not to take them. That's why him and uh, that's why he wakes up. And I think he's able to wake up. Mm-hmm. And 
Paul and Jessica, when they took them, they didn't know, but Yui is the one who gives them the pills and he like tripled the dose. That's why that's why Paul wakes up tied up captured already because this dude was out. Like locked, yeah. Yeah, instead of just like, you know, this has helped me go to sleep. Like if you take a sleeping pill and like bombs start falling, you're probably gonna wake up. You know, if if the Harkonnen really wanted to like I mean, I know they said that they wasn't going to kill him, but they really could have just stabbed him and then still threw him into the desert. Well, so here is the thing: is that, uh, but they but they have a to, wait, it says something about a truth seeker though, truth sayer, which is uh, Helen, the the night mother that you don't like. Another thing, Benny Jesuit have is this thing called the truth sense, and they can literally just tell if someone's lying. And so, this is another aspect that the houses keep in in their pocket, right? Where like everybody's distrusting of everybody else. Right. And Paul even says, this is the exact thing that all the other houses are in fear of is that the emperor will pick us off one by one to hold his power. And that they only have power collectively against the emperor. So if, if someone used a truth sayer to say, Hey, what happened? They can just say, well, we didn't kill them. Because they didn't. You know what I mean? They left them in the right. desert. And so that's why they had to do that convoluted way of going about it. Okay. So, but, all so, so I thought that fighting was really, really it didn't look it didn't look cool and flashy and really stylized. It looked intense and A uncomfortable. Yeah, but just like when they're running and you can't really see anything and then the ship explodes and you get like a moment of light, but it's yes. from a ship falling on you. It just looked like the Chaotic. shittiest and the worst thing to be in. Like I would not want to be there. Total chaos. Like odds are you're probably not making out of this fight. Um, a little bit before that we saw the emperor's um, uh, prison planet. Did we? Uh, Pytar, which is the Harkonnen's Mentat, went yeah. to that place with all their soldiers. And oh, called... yeah. So those soldiers are called Sardaukar, right? Yes. And so here's the other part that was wrong with why they didn't like the Atreides. So although the Atreides has less money and less men than the Harkonnen, their men are superiorly trained. They're some of the best fighters out of all the fighters. Right? They got right. And so, and so well, the Harkonnen versus the uh, Atreides soldiers didn't stand a chance, even with the superior numbers. But the Emperor has the Sardaukar. And what they are, are... So, he calls it a prison planet, but it's more like a... It's the worst planet that he could find. Like the conditions of that planet are terrible, and he puts I mean, them. He puts them through, soldiers on there on that planet, and he has this this weird system of con- convincing them that they're superior to everybody else, and like he doesn't. He, it's very well explained in the books, but it's part mental, part where they live conditioning, and part they only ever experience this kind of thing so these people are just warriors they're like spartans you know what i mean yeah man the emperor sounds vile and the so these soldiers are 
top of the line, top of the line guys. Even the Atreides recognize Sardaukar, you know, like a regular Atreides versus a regular Sardaukar, that is not a chance the Atreides guys are going down. Right. So that's so having, the big... Having those guys on your team, yeah, they got whoever, whoever has them wins. And that's what you saw when they were walking up the steps, you know, the Harkonnens were fighting the Atreides and they were losing. But then yeah. Sardaukar floated down behind them and then just ended that shit. Because they're monsters. But here was the thing, is that they were supposed to be, they weren't supposed to be dressed in Sardaukar uniforms. They were supposed to be dressed up like Harkonnen soldiers. Because if anyone finds out... They probably did that as a visual thing for us to understand that these are different soldiers. Yeah. Different, more badass soldiers. If they, if anyone finds out that the Sardaukar were there, it basically blows the whole thing. The Emperor's trying his best to be like, I wasn't involved. Damn, well, well, I mean, honestly, if they do their job thoroughly and kill everybody, nobody would know anyway. Right. But still, but, I mean, yeah. you, can't, you don't want to kill everybody. But so I thought that that was a great. I, I just thought it looked cool. It looked spooky. It looked like, you know. I don't know. Sometimes in fight movies, it looks like fun. It, it's not. But you know what I mean? Like it looks. Mm-hmm. Man, I feel like, uh, as soon as as soon as I saw them flying down, and I saw that one soldier turn around to face them, I was like, "Y'all, y'all, y'all sandwich. So you, you have no chance." Yeah, like, but as it soon was. As all... around, I was like, "You should be dead right now." And they were. I mean, it was just like boom, done. Uh, so uh, after that, we get we get basically the full destruction. You see, everything's going to shit. Uh, and then and you it's... see the doctor uh, give him a fake tooth, give a uh, ladle the. Which... Uh, a poison tooth. I love that scene. I love the. I, I love that in the book. I love it in the in the movie. It was. Th- what a wild plan. Yes. <laughs> to just be like, look, I kind of hate this guy. He's gonna give me what I want, but I would like you to kill him. Just. <laughs> just shoot poison gas into his face. And um, so, at this point, uh, right, right, like, I think right after that scene, that's when we see like, um, like just hellfire, like. Tons of missiles just being let down on the entire city, destroying everything. Uh, Beast Raban has set the palm trees on fire, and he's executing Atreides soldiers, like, one by one with a sword. Mm-hmm. Um, you get, you get Duncan you Idaho Duncan, yep. in the ship, just refusing to be caught. <laughs> <laughs> that, when that laser was just cutting through everything, I was like, I was like this is it. This is where he dies. It's over. He make, he makes it out. I was actually surprised by that. And then he runs into um the lady. What's her name again? Leah. Eagle girl. Okay. <laughs> he runs into her. He's I like, I don't remember. This is some bull- he goes, This is some bullshit. You see that they're clearly killing us. You better say some shit. And she's like, I'm not gonna say anything. <laughs> like, this is your job. And she's like, Yeah, I'm not doing it. This is not gonna happen. I mean, she was appointed by the emperor. And then, I, I, okay, so may, we'll, actually, we'll get to it later. We'll get to it later about her. But, um, so you see, so you get you get them right there. We go back to the uh, to the mess hall scene, and bruh, just seeing just every time he floats, bro, it, it it bothers me. It's such a creepy way to move. He's so, so he, still. He's intentionally the most off-putting a disgusting person like he does it on purpose man and then 
to bother people. So basically, you know, that scene happens. Leto kills everybody in there except for him. And the two guards that closed the door got like, out. He, he, he really, you know, put that in his face. This man was able to fly up to the top and just... That, that was also off-putting. He, he, that, put the, that, he put the shield on before he hit the gas. Oh, he did. He did put the shield and on. The, sh- the shield is what saved him. Because it, it, it still disfigured him, but it saved him. Oh, because him... him He's creepy. I don't like that guy. <laughs> yeah, he. It, it. I think they just did such a good job of it because, like in the in the last movie, he was almost silly. You know what I mean? Oh, but I in, the, it. in this, he is like gross and off putting, and just stop yeah, being on when, screen, please. When those guys walked in to go pick up the dead bodies, and then he was up there, like, <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, no, man. They did a great job of making him how he is in the books. Like, just... if I if I had to be in a room with that guy, I would probably just kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that's that's who that is the character. You know what I mean? Like, that's the yeah. point. Yeah. Oh wait, wait, wait. Another thing that happened right before that is, uh, the 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 doctor dies. You know, he's he's talking about you know, can I get my wife back now? You know, I've done what I had. To, I've done what I've done. And as soon as he said that, I knew I knew it was just gonna be some twist because there's always a twist. I thought the twist was that that spider thing that we saw at the beginning was his wife. Look, I could, I, I, you know, every time they show something, you would think that it's going to make a, a reference to something else later in the movie. So they showed that spider thing. It had, it had no play in this movie, but I thought, I thought that thing was going to be his wife. It, and I, I was terrified. I was terrified. I was like, I, I hope that's not his wife. I can't actually remember if that spider thing plays any part in the books or if it's just, it's just there. They just have weird shit on the Harkonnens are just weird, disgusting or, weirdos. Or it's good if it doesn't play because I, I really don't want to see what the full thing looks like. I, I that will bother me. That I, I didn't like that it had fingers. No, I don't. <laughs> I, I hated that the most. A spider with hands. Bro. Oh, that is that's that's off putting. And it's like it was like all black and like slimy looking. It was too smooth. Oh my gosh. But uh. Basically, because he, he said, release my wife from her suffering or whatever. And he's like, I already did. She's dead. You can join her. <laughs> dead. <laughs> yeah. Dead, this man. So he dies. Emperor gets hit with the stuff. And then we have the scene with um, Paul and Jessica on yeah, the, on the uh, flying thing. Um, okay, so at this point... This is pretty you much know, exactly I, I how it goes in the book. Put, I didn't put two and two together, but at this point, I did not know Jessica had the voice. I just thought the Emperor had it, and he had, not the Emperor, not the Night Mother, and Paul had it. All I fully, all fully trained Benny Jesuit have it. Yes. So, like, I, like after this scene, it, it made sense that that they all have it. I thought originally, I thought this is just a special thing that Paul had by himself. Then. I just like, okay, Paul has it, and then of course the person working for the Emperor has it because she's fucking powerful. And now it makes sense that this this order has it. I yeah, like how so, she immediately comes, she she makes uh, the note that the one guy is deaf, and then she, she signals her son that he's deaf. And I was like, well, first off, I, I, I wasn't fully understanding what, what that meant, because I was like, if he tries to voice control one of them, they're all close enough in proximity of each other that they, they, they don't know what's, going to, what's happening. 
that's that's what I was thinking originally. Yeah, and, I think that the idea was supposed to be that they would have one guy there who was unable to be affected by the voice. So if they if they happen to get and they also didn't know Paul had it. So if she somehow got her bandages off, she couldn't affect them all and he could stop it. Okay. Also, also, most people don't understand how strong the voice is. Imagine they're just working on a deaf person. I yeah, I don't think it it can, but it like I I, I mean they couldn't get three deaf guys; they only had one. So yeah. like They were like, clearly, let's put them in there because that'll be a useful that might throw some kind of use in. But I I don't know. I love that scene so much because like. That scene was intense to me as well. Because Paul isn't good at it, so he like he just had to get one off. You know what I mean? If he could just get the mm-hmm. one fucking thing to work, boom, it works. And then Jessica's just like, snap, 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 kill everybody. I'm not dealing with any of you fucks. No, uh, the, voice, the voice, I'll... When, when the girls say it, I feel like it's just more creepy when the girls say it. Yeah. It's like more eerie. Well, every... Cool. The way the voice works, she even says it in there. She says, find the right pitch. Because everybody's is different. That's what makes it hard. It's not just like you learn the skill and you can hit everybody with it. Everybody has their own pitch they they have. So you have to find the exact right way to say the word to click with that one person. Uh, That's why when she said it, they didn't both do everything. So, and it helps, there's some aspect of you have to hear how the person talks to learn their pitch. Oh, okay. I, I thought the pitch just meant, like, his own tone. Yeah, he had to do the correct tone, but he had to, he had to do the correct tone for that specific because, uh, Okay, 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 yeah. Never mind. That, that, that makes sense. Yeah. So, take over, they take over the, take, they take over the, it's called a jet fly. They take over the jet fly, and they crash it. They crash it, and then because the guys don't answer, it gets remotely locked. Right. So they can't fly it. And then this is when they found that Yui had dropped them some of the stuff they needed to survive in the desert, but not a still suit, which is very important. Um, and so they just like fuck off. In a tent. Yeah. Which the tents do similar things to the still suit. The tent the tent looks cool. That's that scene that scene where he goes and like yelling at his mom, man. Well, because he's he's sitting there just breathing in spice, so it's hitting him. Yeah. And in, in in the book that's when it's happening too. Like he's his change intensifies based on the spice he takes in. Right, and yeah. so with him just sitting there taking it all in, he's getting more and more prescient. So, like in 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 the movie, they show the sand walk on that little projector screen. Yeah, but in the book, he just learn he just remembers it from the future in the tent, and so he pops out. Okay, that's that's a that's a that's a sentence oh. right there. That's cool. Isn't it? 
and he so when he pops out of the tent and they're like they have to go across the thing he just has new knowledge and she's like how do you know this and he's just like i just do like this is me now i, I just know stuff and so <laughs> he's like he's like teaching her how to how to pull the walk off and stuff and i think that would have been cooler if they would have showed it off that way yeah but it was like it's hard to explain that he's they they it would have been cooler to show to show the vision of of him of doing, him doing it and then yeah. and then just him doing if they would have showed the vision earlier of him doing the walk and then him having to do it right then and there. Yeah. That would have been a but, cool way to, to do it. I think they just wanted to make it as clear as possible because yeah. there's so much shit in this that's like Yeah. A lot of a lot of the stuff didn't happen, you know, like like you said, like it's not guaranteed to happen. But a lot of stuff didn't happen the way that it was it was being portrayed. And I, I just want to say, I, the visions, I understand that they're not supposed to be clear, but it definitely made certain things a lot more confusing. Yeah, but it, it, it is supposed to be that way. Like, in the books, especially before he completely takes in all the prescience, uh-huh. he, it's it's confusing. Like, he doesn't really know what's happening. He doesn't understand it. He's, like, we're trying to figure it out as he's trying to figure it out. And it there is a good chunk of the book where it's just like, what is happening? That is crazy, though. He's definitely, definitely going to become OP. He has the voice, and he has like to be he, being able to see the future. Once he has, once he's able to see it all clear and stuff. That's and then he he also broken. has he also has his father's military training, right? Which are yes, as we know, arguably second best fighters in the uh, Imperium. And then he has Betty Jesuit fighting stuff, which is secretly better than. Probably even the Sardaukars. That's a broken child. <laughs> That's yeah, he's, broken. He's super, super ridiculous. Um, okay, so we get. I'm gonna. I, I think we should jump around a lot because a lot of this desert stuff is just running okay. around, traveling in the desert. Yeah. But uh, we get the aspects of him learning the to do the walk correctly, all that stuff, and then he meets. Meets up with it, Duncan it, and, and Eco Girl. It, yeah, and then he and then he goes and asks if she's Furman, and I'm like, "Isn't this obvious?" Well, no. So, okay, this is the thing we haven't touched on at all. The Furman have blue eyes. Yes, I don't like how they did it. It it's, bothers it's me. Too blue. It's too blue. It's not blue enough. It's blue it's in the not. wrong way. From the way they describe it in the book, to me. When I would have pictured it off of how they do in the book and a lot of people's fan art, it's more like a, like a navy blue, like almost a purple, like inky blue. Okay. And you can't see their pupils and the actual yeah, eyes. It just looks like one solid eye. It looks like demon eyes, but less not all the way blacked out. They're blue. And I get the reason they didn't do that because it makes it hard for people I mean, there's an aspect of being able to see where people are looking and like emotion comes from. Like, like if you if you blank out the eyes like that, it, yeah, it stops also, emotion. I, also, I feel like, yeah, I feel like, yeah, the relation to people to people wouldn't be there. So but I, it I, looks I, cooler. It looks way cooler. I've seen edits, like fan edits of like, just like here, let's take a still and change the eye color to how it's supposed to be. And I'm like, yeah, it looks way doper. But still, that doesn't answer my question of why he, why he said that. Oh, well, because she's not Fremen. She's not from 
Arrakis. She wasn't born with the Fremen. Oh. Okay. But she she's lived there because you can you don't have to be Fremen. You just have, have to, the blue you just have to be there a while. And take on the blue spice okay. eyes, yeah. Okay, because if, for the second I saw her, I was like, wait, she, she's she's you know is it Fremen? Yeah, Fremen. Fremen. And she's Fremen and then when he goes and asks that question later, I was like, no, this has to be obvious. Like, she's definitely Fremen. Like, but it, it doesn't matter. So now, so now we go to a underground place. It's a old Imperial Ecological Testing Center. So technically, that building is owned by the Emperor, but no one uses it anymore. It's like an old military base kind of thing. And that's where we have... Uh, the Harkonnen show up. Okay, so the there's Fremen there, uh, and that might have been one of the dopest scenes I've ever seen in a movie. What when them spitting into that cup so they can get recycled water? That was not. No, no, that no. was not dope. Not okay, at well, all. so we haven't talked about this either. When uh, um, fuck, Stilgar showed up to talk to Duke Leto. Stilgar's the leader of one group of Fremen and he spits on the desk oh, and everyone's yeah. like, what the fuck are you doing? So water is sacred in their community. Right. And so like people don't cry in Fremen culture. Okay. Crying, crying. They call it giving water to the dead. And that's like an insane concept to them. Like you must like have truly cared about this person to do that. And so, cause like all water is sacred is, is like, important to them. And it, it, is thought of differently. So like, I'll get to it later, but well, there's more aspects to the water. But so when they were spitting into the cup, that was weird, but they're Fremen. That's how they do stuff. Um, but no, when the, when the Harkonnen show up and the Fremen all just like burrowed underground and then the, the Harkonnen's like slowly descended out of the sky and landed super smooth. And then the Fremen just like appeared and started murdering them. It was like the dopest thing ever. Oh yes, I, I love that. I think I think the the way that they just come out the sand is awesome. It's like terrifying, but it, it and like they don't write that in the book, right? Because like I said, the book skips over action basically as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. So so it, it's kind of cool because it's so open to interpretation, and that is visually it was just stunning. Like the way it looked, the way they came down, everything was super cool. And this is where you get the first. Um, the first death of Duncan. Well, this is when you get the first uh, glimpse of the fact that the Fremen not only can hold their own against the Harkonnens, but they're probably better. Oh, shoot. Didn't even think about that. Yeah. Wait, was, was it the... Oh, it was Harkonnens. Okay, yeah. And so, there's a, there's a couple reasons for this. I think they, uh, state, I think they stated that, the, that there's some fierce warriors at the, at the beginning. Dun Duncan says that he fought one of them and had never come closer to dying in his life. And then later on, we watched Duncan kill like six or seven Harkonnens. Yeah. Or not Harkonnens, sorry. Um, Sardaukar, the Emperor's legions. Duncan's a monster. Yeah, well, Duncan and Gurney Halleck are both like top-tier badasses. And then, but you would imagine that the Sardaukar have their own top-tier badasses and they're not fighting those guys. But... Whatever the case. So he can hold his own against six or seven Sardaukar. 
and the Fremen were one v oneing Tartakar as well. So and and he's and he's saying that fighting a Fremen was one of the hardest things he's ever fought. So spoiler alert a little Fremen bit here. Were, they were holding back. The Fremen are better fighters than the Sardaukar. Yeah, yeah. And so the only reason they lost in that fight is they were outnumbered. Um yeah. But yes, we do get Duncan's death. Very sad moment. That was another thing that was confusing me because I knew that the vision wasn't like accurate. But it showed him. Yeah, I think it did show him die. Yeah, he died. But it didn't show him dying in that way at all. It was the same hallway. Paul just didn't realize when it was going to happen. Paul thought it was going to happen before he came to Arrakis, and he was worried about it. But it happened. Oh, after he came to Arrakis. Uh because that was the thing is, even the visions when he was dreaming them, they were broken up, and they're not. Their visions, it's not like he's seeing the future. It's not like he can tell when things are happening. He's just getting glimpses of things. And then the next thing that I was thinking while watching that scene was, you know, they, they showed that that door, that first door that they were coming through was like open, like cracked open. So I, mm-hmm. I thought they might have just forced it. And I was just like, well, if they forced the door. Why did Duncan go and like try to hope, like sacrifice himself? Like they, they probably could have made it out without, without having to worry about that. And then that's when I saw that laser and I was like, oh, that's. <laughs> that laser was strong. Like I, I don't think they, I don't think I've ever seen a show where they actually show off like the laser cutting through a door and it is going completely just through. Yeah, it's not the- taking. It's not taking four hundred hours to get through it. It's yeah. just like this shit is through. Yeah. So, next I, I, thing, so at this point, this is where they uh, split up again, and Eagle Girl tells them to take the the. The flighter thing to take it through the storm because the best chance is to go up high in the storm and they won't be followed because people are scared to go through sandstorms. Yes. And And then she's going to go on foot to another place. And then that's when we get, I think this is the first time we get to see the thumper, right? Uh, Yeah, we see him. We see her try to use a thumper because what she's going to do is, this is a little bit of a spoiler, but they show it to you later on in the movie. She's yeah. gonna call and ride a sandworm. Yes, because that's how the Fremen get around the desert is that they ride sandworms. And then she just dies. Not she gets she gets stabbed by a Sardaukar, and then they all get eaten by a worm. A worm, which at this point, every single worm that you see now is a lot smaller than that very first worm that we've seen. What you're saying yeah. is, is a small worm. It's not so, the biggest. At least it's not the biggest. So now. You know the you know the jet scenes happen. That was cool. They fly so, into the storm. Oh, go ahead. There's an aspect of that where you see the part where he just says "fuck it," closes up the wings and just lets it go. Yes, that's one of the first times he uses his prescience to do something. He knows that if he stops right now at this exact moment, they'll just make it. He's seen it. He sees what's happening. He doesn't have to do anything. He just sits back and lets it go. And like the mom looks like she's freaking out the whole time and he's just put she his head back and closed his eyes and chilled. Time. And all, all I'm thinking is at this point, she, cause she, you know, he, he, he says that she's pregnant. Yeah. So, so all I'm thinking is this is not good for your house. This is not good for the baby. You stress so out. she can 
control her body on like almost a molecular level. That's how you, they can change if they have a boy or a girl. Yeah. So she doesn't really have to worry about that. Nothing bad is okay. going to happen to the kid unless okay. like, you know, she gets stabbed yeah. in the stomach or something. Uh, so what they make it, they, they crash land, make it no problem. And then we get to, we're so close to the end here now. Uh, Which is wild. I like, I'm, I'm at this point thinking that there's still like a good amount of movie left. There is though. I mean, there's a whole nother movie. <laughs> um, she, they see, they, they go to the rocks because they know something bad's going to happen. And then we have like a couple days journey or a day's journey of them trying to find the Fremen. Yes. And so in the books, they explain this a lot, but there's different kinds of sand, right? There's sand that's hard to walk in. There's your normal sand. There's like these pebble sand and there's drum sand. And that's the only one we've seen in this that they mentioned, right? Is that right there at the end after the huge track, when the, when they know a worm is coming. Yeah. And then as he's running, he he yells something and then they just start full sprint running and say, fuck it with the, the sand walk is because they're on drum sand, which is like every noise you make on it is like stupid loud. And once you hit drum sand, it's like you need to get out of there now or you're going to die. Like a worm's coming no matter what. And that's why they ran. I love, I just, I love how sensitive the worms are to this stuff too. Like the mm-hmm. smallest steps, like this worm is like massive and a step from a small little person is it's like so sensitive to them. Mm-hmm. They're su- they're super dangerous. Like it, it's it's such a cool, and like they move through the sand like it's water. Like it's such a weird, uh, like natural occurring f- force of nature to have to deal with. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. And so as soon as the ground, they what they make it to the solid ground to the rock. Yep. And the one stares at my 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 dude. This is yeah yeah home. he. he 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 gets up and stares at him, and then the thumper goes off in the distance, and he leaves. And this is where we see the Fremen. Right. And so, this scene in the book is amazing. I liked it a lot in this. It wasn't... They did everything they could to make it perfect, but the, once again, the lack of being able to know what the characters are thinking uh-huh. just takes away from it just a little bit. So, they, they're surrounded. Right, Paul and Jessica do their little uh, battle language, so they know what's going on. You know what I mean? People mm-hmm. are here or whatever. We're not alone, he said, or something like that. And everyone surrounds them, and then what? Stilgar more or less decides b- because out in the desert, water is valuable. Literally, if they would, if it would have went their way, and they were gonna take Paul and train him and kill his mother and take her water. Yes. When I say take her water, I don't mean like she has balls of water in her backpack. I mean like no, they have yeah. a machine that turns a human body into water. Oh, that's dark. Yeah. Well, and but they do that for everyone. Fremen don't do don't do like your body's not sacred. If your fremen dude dies, he's getting we're we're ta- absorbing his water because his water belongs to the tribe. Yes. Not to him specifically. So at that point where they said that they will train Paul and like. You know, because he was, her. he I was young Paul enough. Was to, I thought Paul was going to be like, she's pregnant. I thought he, I thought that was going to play a part in keeping her alive in this situation. It could have, but, but it doesn't. 
what, what, what's interesting is that so she's called a, a revenant mother not really she hasn't she's so uh the night mother as you call her mm-hmm. she's a revenant mother which is like uh it's like a level you hit in the Benny jesuit where you've kind of mastered everything and you get to go through there's a spice ritual and it gives you uh this ability basically and and part of the process is that they can transfer their consciousness to another person. Oh shoot. So whoever is the leader of the Bene Jesuit transfers their consciousness to the next leader. So whoever it, but they don't just transfer theirs, they transfer all the ones that they have with them. So whoever's the current Bene Jesuit has the consciousness of every other leader before them. That's wild. So once you take on that change, you become a revenant mother. Uh, she hasn't done that yet, but the Fremen have their own revenant mothers. Who, oh, that's wild. Who are like an uh, offshoot of the old Bene Jesuit who showed up here. So they don't, they don't, they're not in contact with the Bene Jesuit and they don't have any access to them, but they are loosely connected to them and they follow yeah. the same traditions. So when Jessica shows up and Stilgars goes to kill her and then she's just like, first off, absolutely beats his ass. <laughs> like, like my guy, I don't think you understand. I'm one of the best. So she just grabs him up and he's like, well, I guess I'm just a fucking child now. And then, <laughs> and then at this point, I thought Paul was running away. And I was like, <laughs> you hoe. <laughs> like, how are you leave? But, but really what it is, is it, it, it when he just, he just bashes Jameis. And mm-hmm. snatches his gun off him. In like one move, he just is like, you're on the ground now. I just snatched your stuff and I'm gone. Right? <laughs> and then he, he runs up to the top and pulls out the gun and aims it. He's like, I'm about to, he's like, he knows exactly what the best strategy is for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so because he, he does that to Jameis, right? That's why Jameis challenges him. He says he challenges him because he doesn't believe that she is the... The, the lady and he's the prophecy kid he, but really he's just salty that he got beat up by a 17 year old <laughs> and he challenges him and then he dies to him but so but okay they, they, they find out that Jessica is a, a revenant mother or could could be and then she becomes even more important to them and then at this point this is where we see Zendaya who's right there at the top with him and they don't say it yet but it's not very much of a spoiler. It's just something you're going to find out probably in the first half of, or in the first part of the new movie. She's the child of Liet Kind. Um, the ecologist. Eco girl, yes. Yeah. So she's her daughter. Oh, okay. Um, so basically, she definitely wants to have, she definitely wants to like, revitalize the world and make make it like a, a, li- a habitable place yeah all the fremen do that's their whole yeah. that as a culture they're striving towards that goal okay um so what then we have the fight with paul and Jameis. Jameis challenges her but he can't challenge her because she's uh because she is the lady who she is so then mm-hmm. he has to she has to pick a champion obviously it's gonna be paul and here's the thing, right? Is that when Paul's fighting him in the book, Jameis doesn't land any touches on him. Oh my gosh. Because, well, because the way that people 
Fremen don't fight with shields because if you turn on a shield, a sandworm's going to come and eat you. Right? Right. So they fight without shields. Paul has been trained his whole life to fight with shields. And with shield fighting, you have to move extremely fast to find the opening and then real slow at the last second. So Paul's dumbass fast at moving, at dodging fast, right? Like you can't hit him because Jameis is fighting at a normal pace and he's fighting at this height, heightened speed of dodging. Right. But then, but then when Paul goes to attack, he's used to slowing down at the last second so he can make the kill. And then Jameis would avoid that strike because why did you slow down? So right. they all, all the Fremen think Paul's intentionally toying with Jameis because they're like, wow, he's so fast, but he's, he's not killing him, even though he clearly should be able to. And they think he's being a dick. And but, Jessica's, you know, Jessica says that he's never killed anybody before. Yeah. Yeah. In his, in his brain, he's really worried about never having murdered somebody before. But in the book, she explains he just doesn't, he's not used to fighting without a shield. Okay. But they made it, you know, they made it more interesting for the book that he, Jan, Janus, Seemed like he was doing better at first. Yeah. But really, he he did not have a chance. No one has a chance to fight. None of the Fremen can fight Paul or Jessica because their training is just some next level shit. They're unstoppable. Uh, and and what, what gets worse is that they're so good already when they start taking training from Paul and Jessica. Fucking get out of here. Fremen are monsters. <laughs> so Paul ends up killing Jameis. Uh, they wrap him up and everything, and then that's more or less the end of the book, right? Or the end of the movie? Did they? That's, do... that's more or less. Um, my only complaint is we finally see Zendaya, mm-hmm. and he makes like okay, he did try at one point to say something to her. Like, like I, I don't know what he was going to say, but he's probably going to be like, "You're the girl from my dreams. I dream about you." Some, some he, he, um... he thought to say that, but I think he opted not to be a creep. But then what, what bothered me? Okay, so. What bothers me for the entire entirety of this this last part of the of the movie is you know they're walking and then they see that uh that Fremen riding one of the worms and so at this point I'm I'm thinking I'm about to see like some awesome city or like some underground city some some kind of cool shit and that's basically how how the you know movie ends but right before that Zendaya says something to him and then he just smiles or I think she just turns uh, whatever she does and he smiles and then like the mom makes like a look. And I'm just like, why are you not telling your mom that this is the girl that you've been dreaming about the entire time? She knows. There's a couple of problems here. Uh, his mom is not married to his dad. Yeah, I know that. Okay. Do you, the reason why is because they wanted to keep... Leto wanted to stay unmarried so that he could possibly marry for a political alliance. Okay. Right? And there's, uh, he regrets it because he truly loves Jessica, but yeah, you know, he's, he's so honor slash duty bound. Like he has to, he always thinks what, you know, about the, about his responsibilities before thinking about what he would like to have happen. Yeah. Uh, Jessica is worried about Paul falling for a Fremen lady because there's no, she doesn't see any political gain in it. She's almost, and she's salty about not getting married to the Duke in the books, like low key salty, like really low key, but it, it irks her a little bit. 
Uh-huh. And she almost kind of feels bad at times about more or less thinking and urging Paul not to marry Chaney, which is Zendaya's character, because it wouldn't benefit him politically. So that look is like he smiles at her and there's clearly he likes her clearly. Yeah. You know, and like it's clearly that's where it's going. And the mom sees it and she's like, This is a problem almost. Okay, so so she she does understand what's happening then. Mm-hmm. She she probably doesn't know for sure that that's the lady, but you would imagine she could put two and two together. Yeah, especially since Zendaya's character just like immediately opens up to him. Was not expecting that. Well, once he defeated Janus, um, that is like a status thing. But but she's also but she also gave him the sword before that, like. Yeah, well, he had to have you have to fight with a Chris knife. I mean, the 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 leader could have did that. True. Uh, also, they have that thing about um. So how Janus challenged, almost tried to challenge Stilgar, saying like she beat you, and we have our leader be the you know strongest one. Uh huh. Like it becomes a problem in the future that that aspect of like the strongest person has to lead because. Even probably now, Paul is the stronger. You know what I mean? And they don't want a uh, off world, off water. Uh, they don't have that. They're not so. Um, Paul is a hundred percent Fremen now, to them. Okay. That him, him killing and defeating Janus in battle, who basically a great warrior. Well, Stilgar was going to accept him in to the fold. That's what was happening. And then any kind of doubts were voiced through Janus saying, I don't accept him. He needs to fight me to prove this, basically. And then once he won, that's it. All, all, all arguments are settled. He's proven himself. The argument's over. He's Fremen now. Salty. Yeah. And like, I don't know. I, I, I just think that was a probably a fantastic, that was definitely a good place to end it. I mean, because you get a little bit of action, you get Clearly, you see what's where it's going to move forward. He's going to. Oh no! I'm just, I'm just told you that it ended. I was. I was. Oh yeah. I, I would. I would love. I wish they would have double filmed it. I wish they would have filmed them back to back, and the next one was coming out in like six months. Yeah, I was just going to say like, so this next this next movie is not going to come out for a couple of years. Yeah, they well they just greenlit it, just yesterday or something. Oh, the sequel. Yeah, it wasn't even guaranteed to have a sequel. They were waiting to see how it did. Uh. They put so much effort into this. They they should have they should have knew that this was going to be well received. Well, he did he did Blade Runner, and I would argue Blade Runner is a better movie. And uh, it it did terribly financially. That's because Blade Runner wasn't a better movie. Blade Runner, you needed you needed a lot more context than this movie. I feel I mean, it was it was a second movie in a franchise, so and, you have that. Yeah, and that sequel and it's a sequel to a movie that came out in like nineteen eighty five. Yeah, it was also longer than this movie. <laughs> it was? Yeah, it was like three and a half hours. Shoot. But, uh, so, so they were a little hesitant. Even though this guy is an amazing director, this is an amazing story, and it was clearly an amazing movie. They, you know, they wanted to hold off and not take a loss. Which is good, though, because it's making money, it's doing well, and it, I think it's actually had the best opening box office. 
of any of the movies on HBO? I I think th- these last couple of weeks we've gotten some really good movies. Like, I mean, we've, we've, been, we've rated every single movie like seven out of ten or higher. Yeah, sure. But these are all movies that have been out for a while that have been kept being pushed back. So we're kind of just getting the good stuff of everything. So what's your what's your uh, your score for this one? Easily a nine. Nine? Maybe higher. Ooh, let's see. Shang Chi is like the basis for everything, and I should say Shang Chi is a nine. I don't think this is better than Shang Chi. I liked it better than Shang Chi. I think it's good though. I would go eight point five. I would say it's just right there. Yeah, that's not I bad. Think, I think I think Shang Chi was a more enjoyable movie. But then again, if if we go back to that review, I feel like I complained about that movie a lot more than this movie, which which should automatically make this movie higher. I was about to say I have very few problems with this movie. Yeah, I was just about to say the same. Especially thing, like... for especially for someone who's read the books and knows everything they've changed, I think it held extremely true to the book. I think it covered exactly what needed to be covered, and. From listening to you, as someone who hasn't read the book, you still thoroughly enjoyed the movie without a lot of that extra knowledge. Yeah, the movie was great. I now like now since she's giving me some of this background knowledge, I feel like they definitely should have tried to add some of this stuff in or like just explain it better. I have seen that there are definitely scenes have been cut from this movie, so I wouldn't be surprised if there's an extended cut that bumps it up another half hour and fills in some stuff. Okay. I but I agree that this is this is a great movie. Um, I'm gonna stick with that eight point five, unless I see a bigger worm in like the director's cut or something like that. And then I'll I'll give it a nine. I'm just about to say, just wait until the next movie when he's riding a worm. I think I think I have a problem with like giant ass, crazy ass creatures in movies. Yeah. Like my whole my whole point was I need to, I need to see this dragon for Shang Chi. So that was the whole point of me watching the movie. And if, if I didn't see a dragon, it was going to get like a two. This movie, I'm glad that they showed me that worm. And they actually showed the worm a couple times because you're not going to show me this awesome uh, painting on the background with this crazy ass giant worm and then not show me the worm. Right. Um, let's see. Is there any other. I feel like it's pretty... I think this movie might be more enjoyable, which is saying something because I enjoyed it a lot. On the uh, second viewing? Not even on the second viewing. Um, in a home viewing of the first one and then the second one back-to-back. Yeah. Getting the conclusion of the story, because I think that's the only negative on this, is that you, we've, we stopped the story in the middle. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things. It's like a cliffhanger in a show. Where you, mm-hmm. just, where you just need to go and watch the next episode. That's what, that's what this movie did. Mm-hmm. And I think, ex- exactly. I think, the, I think that once we get the second one and you watch them both together, this is going to be one of those. I, I think this is going to be a big series. I think this is going to become a huge franchise. I also think, you know what would be real crazy is that when the next movie comes out, they, they re-put out the first one. In theaters? Yeah, and you can do like back-to-back scenes of the, of the movies. That would be amazing, actually. Like, at six o'clock, Dune one will play, and then at the nine o'clock, at nine o'clock, Dune two will play. That would be cool. Yeah, I'd watch that for sure. 
I'm sure somebody would do that. Or, or you'll just be able to watch it on HBO. Yeah. Um, just trying to think. I think as far as casting goes, I thought everybody was exactly how I pictured them in the book, except for Jessica. But the I actress, say... the, the actress who played Jessica, did a great job. I just, I just didn't. She doesn't look how I pictured her. But everybody else looks just like I, how I thought they looked. I would say everybody did phenomenal on their roles. Even um, Paul, uh, mm-hmm. the name I'm still I'm still kind of tired Timothy, of that. Timothy uh, Chalamet. I think I think everybody did great. Um, definitely the villain, the 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 floating Darth Sidious. Darth Sidious. Uh, I think he by far. I'm not gonna say by far was the best, but I think I think he definitely had a strong. A strong play in his role, yes. Performance, like definitely hated. I hated him every single time he came on screen. Creepiest person for sure. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think Zendaya's character didn't get enough. I mean, she got as much play as she should have in this first one because honestly, in the, I mean, she's she's literally not, just a girl that's there. Yeah, she's not in the book until after the second half. In in, in the second half, she's a massive character. Um, every time we've seen her, she was just. Looking at Paul all um all lovey dovey and just giving those giving them the blue eyes and then that was it. Yeah, well I mean that's he's just having visions of her from the future, so um Stilgar, the guy who played the leader of the Fremen, he played it more like he played it differently than I pictured it in my head, but I liked it better than what I pictured in my head. In my head I always thought of him as like like a really like hard ass, like stern kind of guy. Uh-huh. But in this, he was almost kind of like, like chill and weird. If that makes sense, I don't know. I liked it a lot, though. Yeah, I, I think I think I think everybody did pretty good. Another reason I why that... I feel like I should bump up my my score, but I'm keeping it at eight point five. I'll give it eight point six. I think that, um, I think that Oscar Isaac played the the Duke. Phenomenally, actually, I think he might be my favorite performance in this movie. Still, the villain, creepy guy. I'll give it to him. I, I say he's the best performance, but I I, I didn't like it the best because that shit bothered me. <laughs> um, the music was Hans Zimmerman. The music was uh, Zimmer. Hans uh, Zimmer. It was too loud. Yeah, but it was the guy was who's really done. Good. It's the guy who's done all of the famous music ever. They had this. This movie cost a lot of money to make. Let's see. I can actually probably find him. I'm looking at it right now. Filming. Six hundred million dollars. Six hundred million. Yes. Oh shit. Wait. No, I was just saying a number. Oh okay. Because <laughs> it's brought. It's brought in. Has grossed forty one million in the US and Canada and one hundred and twenty nine point seven million in other territories for a worldwide release of one hundred and sixty nine point eight million dollars is how much it's brought in. Let me see if I can find it. To make Dune. 
It says it says the budget was 165 million. Is that Dune 2021 or Dune? This is the one. Yeah. So how much was it? So 165 million. So they 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 broke even already. What was that? Uh, uh, 169.8 million dollars, and that uh, that is as of uh, October 24th, which is today. So, um. Yeah, the movie's been out since Thursday, and they've already broke even. Uh, and that's just box office. That's not counting HBO signups. True, Dennis. They're... That's that's awesome. Yeah, so that's why I got greenlit because it's definitely making its money back, which is amazing. Because there's a whole other half of the story I want to see. Please. Yeah, I like. I, I like. They had to get greenlit because I, I'm not about to watch see, see this awesome movie and then them not make the sequel to it to finish off the story. Yeah. And see, here's the thing is they could... So let's say they make the next one and then they go to the next book. They could probably finish it off with the next book if they wanted to. I'm gonna, but I'm I hope... All right, so we have Dune, Dune Messiah, Children of Dune, God Emperor of Dune, Heretics of Dune, Chapter House Dune. Those are the six he wrote himself. And then his son and some other people wrote some other ones that I haven't read. But, so the second book probably finishes off um, Paul's story. Mm-hmm. For the most part, okay, yeah. They'll, they'll and probably then, stop there and, make, and probably make a and, TV show out of the rest. You can't. You can't? It gets way crazier. Uh, Children of Dune are about his kids. God Emperor Dune is about his one child, and his one child lives for a long time and does a lot of crazy shit. Uh, I, can see, I can see them making a Game of, Game of Thrones S series out of this. What I'm saying is the, uh, the budget they would need to pull off... Uh, oh, make, uh, making the rest... God Emperor Dune uh, has some giant, crazy CGI characters you'd have to pull off. Oh man! Like I don't want to. I don't want to spoil it. If case, like I mean, it'd be years no, before they get there. I want to hear it. Okay, so spoiler warning to everybody else that doesn't want to hear it. Skip like twenty seconds. Mad spoilers. So Paul has two children uh, with Cheney at the end of Dune. Okay. Uh, because they're Paul's children and some other circumstances, they're extremely advanced people. Uh-huh. Uh, some stuff that happens that basically causes Paul's one son, Lato the second, to allow a whole bunch of sand trout to encapsulate his body, which then start turning him into a sandworm. And because of this, he lives for thousands of years and towards the end of his life he is a giant sandworm with a human face and human arms okay that's weird yeah so like i don't know how you do that with television and he's like he's it's not like he's like a side character he's the main character of those and so you'd have to have this giant creepy sandworm guy on screen all the time so you have to have budget Oh, that's so. Does, does does that like does his head become bigger then too? No, no, no. His face stays the same size. He's just encapsulated in a giant sandworm. And his arms stay the same size. Yeah, it's right. extremely weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let, let's let's just stop with 
uh, Dune Messiah. Yeah. Uh, Children of Dune is super fun, but once he gets into God Emperor, it's like, my guy. <laughs> Man. But I think that Chapter House Dune, which is the last one, takes place over 10,000 years after the first one. And and you've read you've read all these ones. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, so the last one takes place ten thousand years after the first one, mm-hmm. and Duncan Idaho is the main character of the last one. I need to know why this man is surviving. They probably they probably won't say it in the Messiah movie, right? Yeah, if they explain it all. It all explains the Messiah is when he first okay. comes back. Okay. Oh, so right. you're saying that he's about to die again? He dies a lot. <laughs> Dude. I can't I wait to next, the next movie of this. This is, this is going to be good. Between God Emperor Dune and Heretics of Dune, Duncan Idaho dies like thousands of times. That's awful. Yeah, this, this series is a, a extremely interesting. He has so many weird concepts that he explores. And like, we've just barely hit the tip of the iceberg with it like this next one is gonna have a lot of weird ass shit in it well i'm all for it i think it's gonna be really good yeah oh it's gonna be it's gonna be amazing and the ending is one of the best endings i've ever read on a book it's so it has one of those endings where everything ties up like perfectly and you just feel like satisfied satisfied and there's like an accomplishment it just feels truly like uh, like a wonderful ending. It's super well written. That's great. All right. So I think that's everything we have to talk about on Dune, unless you have any other questions. No, I think we're good on Dune. Um, what's the plan for the next podcast? I don't, I, I can't recall if any movies come out between this week and two weeks from now. Cause we're not, we're not doing it next week. Yeah. We're not doing it next week. Um, Eternals comes out, I thought. Let's see. I'm looking up Eternals release date right now. November 5th. That's, I think that's a, that's a weekend. That's the next weekend of, right? It's probably Friday. Okay, so this weekend coming up is the 29th, the 30th, yeah, we, to yeah, the 31st. So, so we're... We're not doing a podcast on the 30th. No. But November 5th, which would be the next Friday, we would be doing it. We could do it on the 6th. We could do Eternals, yeah. Okay, so that would be the next one is Eternals. That's exciting. And then, at some point, remember I tell you I was reading that, that comic series that's like all stringed together? Mm-hmm. It's, it's getting wild now. Okay, so whenever we have a lull, we'll be able to fill it in with... Yep. This. I've, I've, I've read season one of two, one and two of the Revival Man one. I've read season one of uh, Terror Man. Now I'm in season two of Terror Man. That's where, that's where we're starting to see all the people, like, from all different series come together. I've read what's out of Neolithic Girl, which is the 10,000-year-old girl. Right. Who, who's a major character in season two of Terror Man, which I didn't, like... Because each person draws the characters differently, I couldn't tell until I, until like I saw the eyes. Like the Neolithic girl, she has one one eye that's yellow, one eye that's green, and 
only after like reading ten chapters of of season two of Terror Man, and she's all she's in all ten chapters. It hits me. I'm like, wait a second. I know who this character is. So I go back to figure out what, what her name was. I was like, oh my gosh, they're making the connections already. So it's 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 getting good. It sounds can't, interesting. Can't wait to talk about that. How's the art in that? Um. It, I would say it depends on what you're reading. So, okay. Neolithic Girl is a webtoon. Like, it's like webtoon style. So, it's like very... Not cartoonish. Like, like, a, like, a, like a little kid's... Like, like a high school kid's show. Okay. In terms of the anime. Like, the, the way that it's drawn. But the other ones are drawn like as if they were like actual manga. And they have some very, very good detail. And very, like... You can feel the, the passion in it. Versus Neolithic Girl, which is more like, I want, I want, I want ten years to be able to read this, yeah, and 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 understand it like that. I would say it's very, it's very good. Um, but they definitely, they definitely all draw, draw in their own styles. Like it, it took a second to realize who who certain characters were, in the because in a different style. Yeah, because of that, you're so used to seeing them one way, and they're drawing a, a very different way. But so far, so good. It's good. And also, they have a game out with all their characters in it. I can't remember what the game is called, but it's like it's like another version of a... What's, what's the most famous game in the world right now? On, on mobile? I have no idea. Oh, shoot. I can't think of the name. Something Legends. Oh. Oh, League of Legends? No, not League of Legends. It's... um. Whatever the number one mobile mobile game in the world it is, but it's basically like a, it's a game where you'll can you'll take control of over four people on your side and they'll take turns fighting the enemy. That's what that's the style of the game. Like a turn based game. Yeah, for this, I was thinking about so downloading cool. it, but I don't want to download it because it's going to spoil me to all the other characters and their powers. So I'm just going to wait until I read a little bit more and then I'll I'll get into that. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds interesting yeah. though. It's it's really cool. Do you see that? Um... Young Justice season four came out. I did not. I still have to finish season three. Oh, you gotta watch it, man. Because the wait, first off, it's good. The show's good. Yeah. Secondly, if it's still not like it doesn't have enough viewers for them to be like it's definitely greenlit for season five, and we've already had to deal with the show being canceled once. So it's like I wish people would watch it. I still need to. I still need to know who um, Red X is from Teen Titans. <laughs> I don't remember. I watched that when I was a child. They they, oh. they never explained who it is. Um, that they probably didn't. I've watched I, I pro- videos on it. I should probably rewatch uh, that. But Young Justice is quality, and this new season's starting off a little slow, but uh-huh. I, I anticipate it getting better. How many episodes uh, is in the season? It's like thirteen have, or like twenty. I have no idea. I think it's different every season. It just depends. Okay. What did you think about Chappelle's stand-up? Oh. I watched it. Uh, he starts off just talking about how he's not trying to make... He's not trying to have them hate him. You know? Just, he's not yeah. trying to have the whole community hate him. I, don't, I, I really don't understand how the, the hate came. Because it's just like he's he's he sat there the entire time explaining how he feels about the matter. But this is just I, jokes. I, I, I like I, you I people. The, the jokes yeah. were funny. Jokes, jokes were good. I thought it was good, but 
But it turns out some people at work has also seen it, and they they also all agree that so it's funny. It's Dave Chappelle being Dave Chappelle. He hasn't changed. He's never changed. Who said that? A couple people at work. Uh, I don't remember how the conversation oh. came up, but it turns out that a couple people at work also has seen the uh, the, the special. Yeah. yeah, it's it really is that. But I mean, like he, I don't know. See, that's the thing is like he was so clearly describing what he was doing and the intention behind it. And it's like, it just missed. Like, well, it's like, you can't tell me that you can't literally watch somebody say, look, I'm telling a joke right now. I'm being funny. I don't hate you guys. And then be like, he said mean things about me. He must hate me. And it's yeah, like, did it's you listen? Like, you didn't even watch it. You, you turned it on, probably heard an LGBTQ joke at some point, And then just immediately was gone. Which is insane because he the first thing he said was like, "Look, like everybody's gonna catch these jokes, and I'm not. I don't know." And then that he, story at the he, end. Yes, I was about to say the story at the end is like he's trying to make people understand. Yeah, uh, I don't know. And I, I feel I feel bad for that story at the end. Like that was really sad. And he's he's super good. Like when he just said, and then she killed herself. Like there was no build up to it. Like it kind of came out of nowhere. And like not expecting it. Yeah, it hit weird. You know what I mean? Like it was like usually people when they tell a story, like you kind of get a feeling that they're about to tell you someone killed themselves before they get there. But he just like the way he threw it out there. I don't know. And then and then he ended it with the joke about the about the trust fund. Yeah, I thought that was funny. Yeah, I thought it was funny too. And like also, like you're telling me what it's because he said. Because he said, I knew your, uh, what was it? I knew your father and she was a great woman or mother and whichever way it was. Right. Which is clearly they're saying the wrong way to say it. But like, are you going to look past the fact that he's talking about how he set up a trust fund for a trans woman's child who you guys bullied into suicide? Like, like you're just going to, you're just going to glaze over the fact that he's clearly doing something very, very nice for a person in this community that you're trying to say he's advocating hate for just because he, he made a joke. Like, come on. It's, it's the main reason. Like, I no nobody, you know, nobody's trying to support this hate against, against Dave Chappelle because it's like, you, if you clearly just didn't watch what he had to say or what he said. Like, exactly. Well, and, and the only people who are are so blatantly missing the point. Like the first person who came out against him was that trans woman who wrote that show, dear black people for Netflix or dear white people for Netflix. Mm -hmm. And it's like, he made a point to say that his problem isn't with trans people. It's with, it's with these people, trans or gay people who the second they need to, they slip back into I'm white instead of like one minute you're a minority. And the next minute you stop Mm -hmm. being that minority and you become the people who have, you know, who have the best life out of, you know, the best, what's the word? Like he, he, he starts I can off. switch out of my victim victimhood to be white and then back into it when I want to. Like it's, yes. it's ridiculous. He starts off just saying that, you know, he's like congratulating the, the, the trend, you know, the community because on how well their movement is doing. Yeah. They're, there's, they're making strides in 50 years versus the 200 years for black people. Like, he he starts off with a compliment. He doesn't take it back or anything. Like I, 
a lot of people just miss the mark. And I just, I like, it, he, he spells it out so clearly. I don't know how people are missing. And weaves jokes in there too. Like, that's the thing is like, it's still funny and so clearly making his points. Like, I don't know. I thought it was amazing. It's kind of sad it's his last one because I really like his stand up, but. Yeah, well, it's, it's, don't forget it's his last one. I'll make comments on trans people. He might, he might come back. Well, I think at, he's done. I think he said he years. was, he was at done for a while. Yeah, he'll, he'll come back in 10 years. Yeah. But I was just interested to see what you thought because I know you were watching it after last week's. Uh, uh, it it was good. Yeah. All okay. right, everyone. I th- think that's it. Yep. Unless you got anything else? No, I'm good. All we'll, right. We'll be back for Eternals in two weeks. You're gonna tear me tear that apart. I'm I'm already expecting to do it. Yeah, I'm kind of worried. I'm not gonna like it as well. But I will, uh, I will say the only thing, the last thing I will say about that is. The more the most recent trailers have got me a little bit interested in it, but I feel like it's not going to deliver as like the other Marvel movies has. I saw some YouTube video. Remember how we were confused if Kit Harrington was an Eternal or not? Right. He's not. He's a different character called Black Knight, who has a magic sword or something. <sighs> so he's not. He's not, not Eternal. Eternal. But he's a superhero in. He's going to be a new superhero introduced in this. Maybe, maybe Eternals might be a good movie. Might, it might just be a good setup movie for everything else. I hope so. I mean, how often does Marvel make stuff that's not good? You know what I mean? Um, Incredible Hulk. That's been a while. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know. And even like Shang Chi, like you weren't very hyped for at first, and like it's probably one of the best Marvel movies out right now. Yeah, like, I, I, so I'm, I'm giving, I'm keeping an open mind because they usually don't fuck shit up, but also it does kind of look dumb. Yes, but maybe maybe they're also just throwing it out because you know Spider Man's next and Spider Man's movie that we're actually all waiting for. So, yeah, and then Doctor. Okay, so. November, we get Eternals. December, Spider-Man. And then the next one after that is Doctor Strange in the multiverse in May. And then probably after that is the return of Loki. Yeah, TV show-wise. TV show, yeah. Hmm. All right, everyone. That's the end. Thanks for listening. I actually have to post these on Spotify here soon. I haven't done that, so. That's okay. Well, thank you guys for listening. I'm Jordan. I'm Nick. See you next week. Two weeks. (laughs) Two weeks. Bye.